Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, this is Josh Marshall, and this is the Josh Marshall Podcast. This is the first full podcast we have done since the news uh, early Friday morning, like very early Friday morning, like one o'clock in the morning, that President Trump and his wife Melania had tested positive for COVID. And as we know, subsequent to that, he was taken to Walter Reed Hospital. He was there for what, three days, something like that, three, four days. And then he went back to the White House. And it is just, you know, um, it's been a very Trumpian getting COVID. I guess is the way to put it, you know, with with a lot of uh, antics and uh, weirdness and a lot of lies and a lot of unclarity about what is going on. And we are going to talk about that because that has obviously been the news for the last uh, week or so. And it's still in the nature of of a Trump story like this, we really still don't know what is happening. Um, It certainly seems clear that the president is at least not incapacitated. I mean, we see him walking around. Uh, We've seen him in these videos where he talks. It does seem like he has some uh, struggle to uh, modulate his breathing. That's not surprising. He has COVID. Uh, But it does put some bounds to at least his current status. Uh, But as we know... The, the sort of the textbook presentation of a serious case of COVID-19, which older people are, are liable to get, is that you get sick, you're kind of, you know, cold, fluish sick for about a week or so, and, you know, but it seems like you're basically doing okay, and a week or so in, maybe uh, nine, ten days after infection, you crash. You get you suddenly get worse, and we have learned over the last six months that the the uh, clinical reality behind that is that the COVID is kind of drilling down into your lungs, basically, uh, and it is causing these still not totally understood issues with clotting and uh, organ damage and organ stress, and you crash. So, and and President Trump as near as I can tell, is he's right about the time where one might expect that to happen. Um, And that means that the second half of this week is going to be critical. I think, and again, obviously, I'm not a clinician. This is just, you know, going on a lot of reporting that I and our team have done over the last six months. I would think that if he is still basically okay and functional, Uh, By the beginning of next week, you'll start to think, okay, it seems like he has avoided a kind of a a really bad, you know, kind of worst case situation where he's struggling, his life is in danger, he's on a ventilator, all that kind of stuff. But we really still don't know. And it occurred to me today that we have not seen the president speak live on camera since his diagnosis. And that is 
obviously not an accident. Uh, he, they've done a few of these videos. It's pretty clear that each of these videos is edited, probably edited to, you know, take out some coughs and maybe some, uh, you know, some moments of breathlessness. And again, that would not be terribly surprising. It's pretty common, uh, even people who have relatively moderate cases of COVID. I mean, you have a cough. That's like one of the primary symptoms. And uh, you're a little breathless. That doesn't mean you're going to die. That's a pretty standard thing. And probably any White House would want to avoid showing the president in any kind of physical distress, even if it's one that that he will recover from. Uh, But the truth is, we just don't know. And uh, it is very clear that the White House uh, doctor has lied repeatedly, either by omission or commission about the president's status. One thing that a lot of observers and uh, clinician reporters or commentators have noted is that uh, Dr. Conley, uh, uh, President Trump's doctor, has been asked repeatedly about lung scans, CAT scan, x-ray, you know, various ways you do lung scans and what they find. And he's spoken of expected findings. Now, if they were clean, it's obvious that he would say there's no evidence of any problem in the president's lungs. There's no lung involvement. That's easy to say, and that is a great story if it's true. And I think the expected findings would be, and Kate is going to, I think, uh, add a little more to this shortly. The expected findings are what we now know as referred to as ground ground glass opacities, kind of these fuzzy areas on your lungs. And that means you have COVID pneumonia. And again, that doesn't mean you're going to die. A lot of people get pneumonia from COVID and they recover and they're fine. Um, But the president seems sick, significantly sick. Uh, And as one would probably expect with President Trump and this White House, they have lied to us repeatedly <laughs> about it. I mean, it's almost so obvious. Like, of course they have. Like, it would, they'd, be, they'd be breaking new ground if they were candid about it. And, and one thing before uh, I introduced my co-host that I wanted to mention, and, and I'm curious whether you guys had the same, uh, the same reaction. <clears throat> when President Trump did a video just before he was admitted to the hospital, that one kind of on the way out of the White House. And that video, and maybe the second video from the hospital, it, was a, it, wasn't, the, it wasn't the Donald Trump we're kind of used to. He looked shaken to me. And of course he's shaken. He's just been diagnosed with a potentially fatal illness. Who wouldn't be shaken? And he seemed shaken and maybe a little humbled. He had this line kind of like, I think I'm doing okay, you know, kind of looking for affirmation from whoever's on the other side of the camera. Um, But he said, we're going to go to the hospital to make sure this turns out okay, which that's a pretty human thing to say. You know, he didn't seem invincible. He didn't seem, uh, he didn't seem cocky. He looked a little different because I think he didn't have the whatever makeup he uses. Um, but then after a couple of days in the hospital, the old guy resurfaced. And he's back to like, fuck COVID. You know, don't let this dominate your life. And, you know, and Russia, Russia, Russia and stuff. And that was frankly the, 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 the sign to me that, okay, I think he might be genuinely 
you know, not going to have a terrible case, not going to end up on a ventilator because the old Trump came back. So uh, before we get started and talking about all of these horrible things that our national civic life are consumed by these days, let me remind you that uh, Grady's Cold Brew Ice Coffee is the sponsor of the Josh Marshall podcast. The most important election in our nation's history is right around the corner, and we need to be alert, energized, and fueled to get out the vote. That is definitely true. To help keep you caffeinated for the fight of our lifetime, Grady's Cold Brew is offering 25% off site-wide from now until election. Day. All fans of the Josh Marshall podcast and Grady's Cold Brew are eligible for the deal with no limits. Order now and get Grady's famous New Orleans style coffee delivered straight to your door or send a batch to your local campaign headquarters. Grady's can be poured hot or cold and is available in regular and decaf. Ready to give it a swirl? Get 20% off at Grady'sColdBrew.com with promo code TPM. That's promo code TPM. So, David, what are we? Uh, what horrible things are we talking about today? <laughs> You know, Josh, it's hard to know where to even begin, right? There's been just so many, like you say, lies and misdirections and uh, just confusing statements out of the White House. But Kate, I wanted to talk to you about a piece that you put up yesterday, looking at kind of what we know and what we don't know about when Trump got sick. There's been a lot of attention on this White House Rose Garden event celebrating the nomination of Amy Coney Barrett for the Supreme Court. I believe that was September 26th. That would have been a Saturday. Um, There was obviously an outdoor component in the Rose Garden where she officially was introduced and and said some words. But there's also photos inside the White House of a reception. I think there was even food being shared, lots of people mingling uh, in the Oval Office and other parts of the White House. So what can you tell us about what we know about the timeline of Trump's sickness, kind of any unanswered questions that there are still out there? What what did you kind of dig into there? So what we did with this piece is we took what we know about Trump's timeline um, and kind of included all the fuzziness that's there from the confusing statements from Trump's doctors, from things they said that they later walked back that would shift his infection timeline around. But we So we stitched together everything we know of that and then we overlaid it with the typical course of a COVID infection to kind of identify when Trump was at his most infectious, um, you know, when his symptoms would be expected to worsen and get better based on a kind of a typical course of the illness. Um, So a key thing that we find there is Trump's doctor's caginess matters more than just the principle that the American people deserve transparency about the president's health and things like that, because when his symptoms showed up is a really critical um, measure to know when he was at his most infectious, because people infected with COVID are most infectious 48 hours before their symptoms appear, and they can be infectious as much as 72 hours before they're symptomatic. So the fact that the White House won't confirm that Trump was symptomatic for the first time on Thursday won't say when his last negative test was, um, you know, which could be because they haven't been testing him daily um, and things like that. Those are just really important milestones to lock down, because even if there's still a lot about COVID we don't know, you can be pretty confident about the general trajectory of the disease. So as of now, if Trump was symptomatic on Thursday for the first time. That means that Wednesday and Tuesday were at was when he was at his most infectious, when his viral load was the biggest and he was most likely to spread it to other people, especially because if he wasn't symptomatic yet, you know, not that 
Trump is the kind of person who takes a lot of precautions anyway, but he would have not been taking any. And, you know, Tuesday was the debate with Joe Biden, where many of the Trump clan also checked into their hotel and decided to disregard the mask mandate and walked around there. Um, you know, and then you have Wednesday, he had his, um, he went to um, a supporter's house in Sherwood, Minnesota, and then to a rally in Duluth. That's when he traveled on Air Force One with Hope Hicks, who started um, showing symptoms on the way back. Um, and it's just when you, when you piece all this together, kind of the full scope of the irresponsibility of the administration really comes into focus because the White House also won't clarify things like when they knew that Hope Hicks was sick. Um, you know, Mark Meadows later told reporters that he knew when the plane carrying Trump and his entourage was taking off for Bedminster, New Jersey, which brings up the question, and you still let him go? You know, you still let this group go to to mingle with, um, you know, donors and normal people and everything like that. So, you know, the, the full picture of the timeline, the most alarming bits of it is it shows that just how nonchalant they treated the president's health um, and the the health of the people around him, because you know you had uh, some you had Conley say that on Saturday Trump was seventy two hours into his diagnosis, which would have meant that he was diagnosed on Wednesday, not Thursday. And if Trump was diagnosed and symptomatic on Wednesday, that means the height of his infection is Tuesday and Monday, and on Monday. Yeah, Trump and Melania went to a fundraiser for Gold Star families and the Pences were there and members of Congress were there. So it just, you know, it just keeps like spreading out, spreading out, spreading out uh, when, you know, when Trump was a danger to other people. Kate, Kate, can I ask one? Can I ask one question? Mm -hmm. Was hate what? Was Hope Hicks traveling with the president on Thursday and Friday of the previous week when he was in Michigan with Rona McDaniel? Mm, I'm not sure about that. Because this is, I have, I mean, again, I'm doing my sort of home detective work here. But one of the things that has struck me is that the progression of, of the president's illness, and obviously this is not a definitive thing because people, you know, kind of have symptoms, have severity of symptoms at different rates because of their own physiology and stuff like that. But a lot of the assumption has been that the president was infected, like a lot of other people, at this Saturday event. But at least from my kind of just looking at the different timelines and stuff, it seems like the progression of his illness makes it at least possible and maybe more likely than not that he was infected before the Saturday event. And there has, it's, uh, he was, those two days, he was traveling with Rona McDaniel. Doesn't mean he was with her, you know, 24-7 those two days, but spent significant amounts of time with her on those two days. She subsequently tested positive for COVID, seemingly ahead of everybody else. So it seems like, and, and I assume, since she's almost like kind of like a body person at this point, that Hicks was traveling with him. Um, and that maybe they were both infected by McDaniel and that they're the spreaders at the Saturday event. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want to correct myself really quick. I think I just misspoke. The gold family's event was Sunday. Monday yeah, that's was right. Right. another that's Rose I... garden event. So, right. That, right. That's what I thought. Quick corrections corner for myself. But yeah, I mean, okay, I was just going to say, you know, and then the, I think what you said is, you know, a very valid theory, Josh. And then you, it's just, 
the t- the shifting of the timeline is really important to lock down who else probably got infected or who is at high risk of getting infected. And, you know, I also just think from a political standpoint that the White House's caginess doesn't isn't really very beneficial because I get it. You don't you want to lessen the damage of Trump being sick and of the number of people who got infected by Trump. You know, I understand that goal, but not telling us, you know, these kind of really critical facts about his health at this point. Now the story is about the cover up, you know, as much as it is about our, you know, elderly, overweight president getting a potentially fatal disease. You know, it's just such a guarantee of a way to keep this story going and going and going, coupled with the White House's kind of ongoing irresponsibility and the almost hourly deadline or uh, headlines of whoever in the White House orbit is infected now. Yeah, it does seem like the question of when his last negative test was is such a crucial one that we still don't know and that uh, Dr. Connolly, the president's physician, refuses to answer. He said on Monday, I believe, I don't want to go backwards. <laughs> yeah, so, like we're not like, think, like Obama with the with the torture investigations. We're looking right. forward. Exactly right. <laughs> and um, I believe the New York Times reported overnight, too, that Trump was not getting regular daily tests and that I think instead they were sort of relying on people in his orbit getting tests exactly. as a exactly as a kind of secondary, I don't know, like a backup to sort of hope the president is in the clear. And so that's um, that's troubling and problematic. And, you know, when Trump arrived at the debate hall on Tuesday, apparently he was too late to get a sort of rapid test on site, a rapid COVID test mm-hmm. on site. And Chris Wallace has said they relied on the honor system that he was. That's that he had al- it's almost negative. funny when you hear it. We relied on yeah. Donald. We, we, we relied on the honor system with Donald Trump. I will say this, you know, there's this old sort of, investigative political investigative saw that um the uh you know the cover-up is worse than the crime right you get you get yourself in trouble <clears throat> covering it up and it would have been <clears throat> excuse me uh it would have been better just to come you know to come forward but with this with with your point before kate about you know the cover-up i i think this is an example where that i mean that old saw as a general matter has never been true it's never been true. You cover things up because, in fact, the crime is worse than the cover-up. And the key point is, usually the cover-up works. And if the cover-up works, you don't have the cover-up or the crime. You get away with it. And I think this, what, the reason they're being so cagey, there's a few potential elements of caginess, but I think the bright line, the, the, the kryptonite, right, is that he went into that debate not having been tested. And not just not an hour before, probably not a few days before, which, which is to say, first of all, that he was lying and lying about a big, big deal. Um, and I mean, at this point, I think, I think we've heard that uh, 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 Joe Biden's getting tested daily now. And since he seems not to have tested positive until now, we're getting to the point where we can have some relative confidence that he's probably in the clear. Not absolute, probably until the beginning of next week, but the odds are, are more in his favor. But he could have gotten tr- uh, Biden sick. Biden could have died. He could still die. I mean, I mean Chris Wallace shocking. is in his 70s too, right? Yeah, and he's they 72. Were... Yeah, no, it's totally shocking. And I think that is the, 
that is, that's the big one, right? He didn't get tested. The rule said he had to get tested. Logic said he had to get tested, and he didn't. And I think more generally, we're going to find out that he really hasn't been, they haven't been testing him. I'm not saying that he never gets tested, but as you said, and I'm kind of like having a moment of pride here because a couple days ago, I wrote a post about this. I said, we're going to find out that they weren't actually testing him. They were relying on tests of the people around him to be a proxy. And it's one of those things where, uh, in theory, if you're stupid, that makes sense because like if no one coming in contact, you know, has it, he can't have it because where's he going to get it? But obviously the tests are not that reliable and, you know, you don't know, you can't, you know, he's at a public event. You can't tell exactly who, where, you know, even, and even to the extent that they're um, reliable, the time trajectory isn't that certain. Someone can be tested in the morning just on the cusp of becoming infectious and they're clean, but they're, but they're, you know, they're infectious in the afternoon. And at least the public reporting on that Rona McDaniel thing is that she passed one of the saliva tests, the quick saliva test, both days she was with him. And I assume for the sake of conversation that that is accurate. But the saliva tests are highly, highly fallible. They're not really even supposed to be, I mean, it's not that they're not supposed to be accurate, but they're not assumed to be that accurate. It's sort of like a first line of defense surveillance. They're frequently wrong. So that doesn't mean that much. And again, it's, 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 it's just shocking. I think there's a decent chance that he is the spreader at that Saturday event, which is like, you know, boom, right? I mean, how can you even imagine it? Yeah, I'd say here's my point about the cover up, which is definitely too much to ask of this administration, but is that we're 21 days out from the election now. And I think everything you're talking about is going to come out. I mean, the New York Times today proved the piece that, you know, he wasn't being daily tested daily matter of time before proof comes out that he wasn't tested before the debate or honestly, even maybe that people had suspicions that he might have been infected before the debate. Um but the fact is, this White House is so leaky. We're still going to learn those things, except now it's going to take us two weeks of slowly unrolling headlines for us to learn this, where as you know, a sane administration could say, here's everything we know, full transparency, would have told the Biden campaign that there was a fact that he had been infected, you know, and it's this is going to be bad either way. A president getting a possibly fatal disease is hard to spin. But the way that the White well, House is handled... The president giving a potentially right. fatal disease to his challenger <laughs> is, is unimaginable. Yeah. Is unimaginable. There's just no way to put... No other way to put it. But now, you know, we're in a place where any sympathy that Trump might have gotten from getting sick, that was gone when people started getting pissed, when it was pretty clear that we weren't being told everything or even anything, you know, that's gone. And now it's not just that we have a, you know, this, an older man whose humanity has become, and mortality has become jarringly clear to people who are choosing whether or not to vote for him in 20 days. But now you also have this pal of, by the way, the White House does not respect you, you know, does not think the American people deserve to learn, to know anything. And it's just, if you, it's such like this almost literary example of if you needed 
the Trump administration's irresponsibility and callousness towards human life, you know, summarized in one little instance. Here you go in a politically palatable way that, you know, the, the equivalent of like a moral soundbite. Here you got it. On that point, Kay, I wanted to ask both of you. I mean, I think there's one way you could imagine Trump's COVID diagnosis going. It's that he got sick. He said, listen, I'm I'm the president. I'm in you know, I'm sort of among the most protected people in the world. And yet I got the, I got this illness and I have some small semblance of understanding of what, you know, hundreds of thousands of American families have gone through um, who have lost loved ones to the virus. But instead he said, yeah, don't let it dominate your life. Maybe I'm immune and <laughs> it's all good. And he basically just kind of not laughed at the people who have suffered from it exactly, but just said, it's no big deal. And, and we have to kind of get on living our lives. I mean, that, that I guess was, we're not surprised. That, we're not surprised. That's the, that's the case, but are, you know, what do you make of that? I guess that was a key moment for me because, you know, to Kate's point, these things that happened, the backstory, how we got here is critical, but obviously his becoming sick, both to the people around him and to him as a person is a critical dividing line. And um, when it was first announced he was sick, when it was first announced that he was having serious symptoms, uh, when he did that video, which again, to me, he looked shaken. He looked scared to me. Um, I mean, look, I, I have... I have no love for this guy. He's done such terrible things, such terrible things to this country. Um, he is the least, he's the, he is the person who I'm least inclined to have any sympathy towards, but he's a person and he's an old man and our mortality hunts all, haunts all of us. Um, and when I saw that, I was like, I hope he gets through this. I mean, I would hope that regardless. I don't hope illness on anybody. Um, I think he should face the law. I don't think he, he does. No one deserves illness. Um, and so I think there was a possibility there of, I mean, a theoretical possibility, not with the person we know, but a possibility there, as Kate said, you kind of come out of it and said, like, I know what, I know what a lot of you have been experiencing. I know what this, I know what the, the disease feels like. I know what the fear feels like. I see the fear in my family. You know, he could have done that. And I think to a certain extent, you get a reset at the point when you become ill. So even though those things that may have happened and I think did happen in the lead up to his getting sick are like devastatingly bad. There's a certain sense of like, okay, once he got sick, maybe he got it. Maybe he sees that he made a mistake, all, you know, all this kind of stuff, you know, theoretically, not the per not Donald Trump, but theoretically. But it was when he came back with that kind of like, don't let it dominate your life. You know, just like I had the sense of like, all right, fuck this guy. You know, I mean, Jesus Christ, you know, you're sick now. You got lots of people sick. Like either you personally got them sick, like you, you got them sick. You got them infected with your own body or more generally, you got them sick by behaving like such an idiot. And you're back to like saying like, don't let it dominate your life. And you know, just, I really did have that kind of new sense of, like I said, kind of like, all right, fuck this guy. Like, I, I don't know what to say. Yeah. And I think, you know, now you kind of see the MAGA strategy is 
to both portray Trump as this like superhero for overcoming the disease while at the same time making the argument that COVID is like a weak ass disease. You know, you just need to like muscle through it, which must be unimaginably offensive for people who have lost loved ones to COVID. The idea that they just weren't tough enough, you know, like subtracting from the equation that Trump was airlifted to his own suite of rooms in a hospital, given experimental medicine that isn't available to most of us, you know, and treated 24-7 by a flock of top-tier doctors. But so you have them trying to do that. Um, and then Trump, yes, the dominate thing to me is damning in a way that the tax story I think would have been damning if it didn't get buried by this, which is, you know, it's always a dangerous game for any reporter to try to get in their head of like a normal person who doesn't eat, sleep and breathe politics. But the offensiveness of it is that is removing his, you know, his privilege and all of the resources of the presidency and just acting like he himself bested the disease in the way that in the tax story, it's like, he is a, a man who was born into fabulous wealth, who's lived a life of riches, much more than your average person, and yet he only had to pay $750 in taxes. You know, it's that same theme of this, I've gotten all this because of my own merit. Because I deserve my it. Because I deserve it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, you're a loser if you can't replicate those results, you know? And I just think that is so... So much of what Trump does is offensive, but that's a, so offensive on the level of being a normal person who's trying to live your life, who has this like super rich, privileged guy telling you that you suck because you can figure out a way to beat taxes, to pay as few taxes as he did, or you know, you suck because your parents died of COVID. You know, like that. I don't. I get that he's trying to be tough, and that there's a lot of risk of him looking weak and you know mortal right now but that just seems like such a political bid or you know, a it, political gamble it me. goes back to the debate because trump needed to take charge of the election story in that debate but i think what was telling is he had no sense no idea no capacity to take charge other than being a bully and just yelling and 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 since Biden didn't really take the bait, uh, since he's already losing, you know, the idea that he's like the alpha and people are like, well, I don't like it, but he's the strong guy. So I'm going to support people. Look, I think overwhelmingly people looked at it and are just sort of like, what the what is your problem? <laughs> like, 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 you know, just you would you'd send a kid to his room if he acted that way. Right. Um, and and so to this point. It's a very similar thing with COVID. He, the thing, you know, the way to seem tough is to say, I'm sick. I have really good medical care. I'm confident that, that this is going to work out and X, Y, and Z. And that kind of coolness in a scary situation, I think that communicates toughness and courage and strength. But the only way he can think to do it is to say, ah, fuck COVID. I whipped your ass, COVID. <laughs> like, you know, just this, this, just these stupid ways of talking that are deeply offensive. You know, my my um, my wife read to me a Facebook post by a high school friend of hers. You know, not someone she's been in contact with forever, who sort of revealed to her friends on Facebook that she had COVID in like April, 
and basically her health is shattered. She's been back in the hospital a bunch of times. She's still breathless a lot, you know, five, six months later. And, you know, hopefully this woman next year will be like all recovered. But it really sounds like this is a healthy woman in her late 40s. Her her health is shattered. And it's probably going to stay shattered to some level for the rest of her life. And that's horrible. And she's not one of those 210 or 215,000 people who died. She's part of this much larger population of people who were terribly sick and terribly frightened, both them and their families. And now they're never going to be the same again. And, and to hear the president saying, come on, don't, you know, buck up. Don't let it dominate your life is, I, I just, I have to imagine just so deeply upsetting and angering, like, like who the hell, you know, it's just, um, and again, back to that point, Kate, toughness to him, he can understand toughness and strength only as the ability to dominate. And obviously that is only one slice of what toughness is and really not the most important slice in most cases. Uh, and it's really sick. And I think he offended a lot of people like in a new way, people right. who and hadn't quite been deeply offended by him before. Exactly. And I think that, you know, therein lies the political gamble to me because COVID, you know, doesn't choose its victims based on their political leading. So by doing this kind of dominate COVID thing, he's just taking such, you know, it's, it's such a far cry from the, you know, California's and, anarchic state kind of thing you know it's just there's no guarantee that the people he's pissing off are all liberals or all people who weren't going to vote for him before that just seems like opening up such a potential for offending people in a very very personal way that might previously not have been turned off by him or liked his strength or something like that and also you know the the thing with Trump is the political scandals are so constant that you just can never, ever tell what breaks through to a person who doesn't really follow politics closely. But you can pretty much take it to the bank that everyone knows that Trump had COVID, that that's a matter of interest for everyone. Absolutely. So his handling yeah. of his diagnosis could really have been his best chance to reach a lot of people to, you know, shift the tone or yeah. something like that in the final stretch. And he you just... Know, you, you, you talk about risks too, but like there's still a significant risk that he's going to be back in the hospital and like on a ventilator say, yeah. this weekend. Right. I'm not, it's I kind mean, of premature. Yeah. I mean, ventilator is right? severe, yeah. but I mean, he is not outside the trajectory that, that, that gets you there. You have sort of moderate symptoms. you kind of seem like you're doing okay. And then, you know, a week, 10 days in you crash. So, I mean, and, and I think that that was, um, my sense was, you know, both from the doctor's point of view and from the political advisor's point of view, because, you know, they were saying, dude, do not go back to the White House. I think the big reason was, is that they know having to get rushed back to the hospital would just be devastating politically, not to mention that you'd only rush back if you're in real bad shape. And as long as in the hospital, you know, he's in bed, he's recuperating, you don't have to show things. But I mean, like, you can't hide how the president goes from the White House to Walter Reed. Right. If you've got to take him out on a stretcher, someone's going to know that. And that is going to be 
devastating, devastating, devastating. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, but that is also, but that is also, um, typical Trump in the sense of, you know, if he's on a ventilator this weekend, we'll deal with that when we come to it. You know, you're always like, you know, kind of, you know, pushing the debt out to the future, right? Kind of like keep doubling down. <laughs> That's and a like, future if, Trump problem. <laughs> yeah, it, it, right. ex- exactly. If if uh, if it blows up in our face, we'll deal with the face blow up when it happens. And a lot of times Trump gets lucky or at least lucky enough. Um, but yeah, it's nuts. It's nuts. I wanted to, um, there's just two other, two points I wanted to uh, hopefully hit on before our time is up today. The first is Trump's just totally erratic behavior on Twitter over the last couple days. And Kate, I think you're looking into some of his tweets and, you know, he's been on this uh, steroid, um, I'm blanking on the name, Detra... That's one of those polysyllabic... (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, You know, tweeting like like crazy. I think it's been like 90 tweets in the last like 12 hours or I don't know, something like that. Um, Obviously, we don't want to armchair psycho you know psychoanalyzed dexamethasone 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 (laughs) but it seems clear something is going on here right and i guess i i mean again i don't want to speculate i'm not a medical expert by any means but if we're talking about trump being potentially sick and even symptomatic earlier uh than we realized you know is it on you know is it possible that trump's erratic behavior during the debate was even possibly a side effect of certain you know, drug treatments that he was given at the time. But I'm curious what your thoughts are on yeah. kind of all of that. Well, I mean, yeah, I've been, you know, given the happy task of uh, sorting through these <laughs> by my count, 122 tweets since he got back to the White House. But it's, you know, one of the first tweets that kind of broke through because, you know, we do have to keep that our Trump baseline is his tweets are always insane, you know, often hard to decipher, often coming thick and fast and you know he'll tweet a billion night, times exactly. in an hour right but yeah. you know the <laughs> one of his tweets that kind of um prompted people to start paying attention was when he walked away from the covid relief negotiations in a tweet which was like <laughs> what a stroke of political genius take negotiations that have sputtered for months that are going nowhere you know the two sides are too far apart take all the blame yourself <laughs> and make sure you know, hand make for Nancy Pelosi a way for her to see like say well Trump walked away Democrats were doing all we could to get you relief and Trump left the negotiating table right you, know, you he wanted hates another children. he hates teachers he hates first responders right you want another stimulus check well too bad because... too bad Trump said no so we yeah. tried I mean it's just such a way to take this like really potential political loss not just for the Democrats, but a situation that easily I think most people could have been like, oh, you know, classic Congress, not getting anywhere, not helping American people. And just he gift wraps it and says, here you go. I'll take it on myself right after I had COVID. I will also take responsibility for not getting stimulus out to people. And you're just like, what is happening? You know, 3D trust or something. I guess we just can't see how that was a political masterstroke yet. But, yeah, well, you know, you have... But- the other okay. part of it, though, is that is that by mid late evening, he seemed to have totally shifted gears again. Yep. That he was I guess back saying. Told him that wasn't a great idea. Yeah. I mean, he was basically like demanding that Nancy Pelosi pass a bunch of bills with more spending, and he'll sign it immediately. I mean, 
Which some of those, like the um, the air industry standalones, she has indicated she would be open to. So if he had opened that gate like a few weeks ago, we probably would have a standalone bill on that. But, you know, at this point, I think people are a little wary of engaging with these tweets as anything more than manic behavior. Yeah. 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 Yep. Well, the other thing I wanted to kind of look ahead to is the next presidential debate on, I guess, a week from tomorrow, the next Thursday. That's the town hall format we've talked about uh, a couple times on the show. But Vice President, former Vice President Biden last night said there shouldn't be a debate if Trump is still sick. It seems, I mean, almost totally unavoidable that it's like absurd. I mean, what, a, Trump, what an absurd thing to have to say. Yeah. But like, I mean, Trump Will he, is it possible he'll even be able to test negative before then? If he is positive, is there any way, I mean, how can they even I mean, responsibly hold a debate? So I'm wondering, do you think, is this even going to happen? I mean, there were all, there was all this speculation after last week's debate that I think we, people thinking we saw the last debate mm-hmm. tonight. There's not going to be another one of these. But that was before uh, he got COVID a, even. Exactly. Just because no, it was so exactly. crazy. Right. right it was right. such a shit show <laughs> to thought, this is it, it that torpedoed the rest of it and now yeah now trump is sick with a deadly potentially deadly virus and we are about a week from the next debate so i'm curious if we think there's any chance it's going to happen in any kind of normal format or or semblance of kind of what we what we have expected yeah i have two thoughts on this and the first is barring the downturn that josh was talking about which um you know, doctors are especially on the lookout for in elderly patients or patients with underlying illnesses. So Trump checks both those boxes, but in days five through 10 since symptoms manifested, that's when, if there's gonna be a downturn, there is a downturn. And for people with mild cases, by day 10, um, if they have no symptoms, if they've gone three days without a fever, um, that is a time where, you know, kind of a normal mild case, you're able to stop um, isolating yourself. You know, some experts um, advise 14 days just to be on the safe side. Um, And, you know, ordinarily you would think this is the president, you know, we're not going to mess around. He's going to be isolated for even longer than that. You know, we're going to make super sure that he's okay. But it's hard for me to see them taking that kind of restraint, barring the Biden campaign, just refusing, you know, to do the debate. But on that note, I'm honestly still shocked that the vice presidential debate is going ahead tonight. Like, really shocked. Those plexiglass things they put up are pathetic. I mean, less than... It's like a buffet. It's like less than a buffet. Yeah, I was going to say, it's less than what you see at, like, salad works. And then, you know, you also have (laughs) Pence refusing to isolate. And every new uh, positive test that's coming out of the White House seems to have some kind of tangential connection to Pence. Like he's definitely been in these orbits and I know he's been testing negative, but as we've said, you can be infected with COVID and test negative in the early days. So I don't know, you know, normally I would be like, Biden should absolutely, you know, refuse to play ball unless we are very, very, very sure that Trump is better. But I would have also thought that they wouldn't let Kamala Harris debate tonight. And that seems to be going I'm, ahead. So. I'm very disappointed that, that they are. I mean, I'm sure they feel, I mean, I, he has been being tested. Didn't, hasn't he isolated the last three days or something? Pence? Like, isn't he over just at the Naval Observatory? Am I, am I, is I think that he has right? been, I think he's been kind of out of the West wing. And I believe his doctor said 
Pence is not a close contact of anyone who's tested positive, which is sort but of a hilarious side But they're side having note. a very tight, uh, yeah. restrictive definition of close contact. The, the other point right. is, my understanding is that when you have COVID, when you're recovering, um, there is this general understanding that like, you know, 10 days from the onset of symptoms, if you're starting to get better or stuff like that, but you still will often test positive even after the point where most uh, researchers, clinicians think you are no longer actually contagious because what happens is that, uh, and this is like my kind of crude understanding of these things, that they're basically a bunch of broken COVID, uh, you know, COVID virus in your system. Now, a, a, you know, broken virus cannot infect you, but the PCR test cannot, cannot, um, distinguish between these little kind of like shards of COVID virus and the live infectious COVID virus. So it, even though it is quite possible that he would be probably non-infectious and probably outside or possibly outside of the time horizon that would make it safe for him to participate, it's quite likely he would still test positive for COVID. And like, are, are we really going to let Joe Biden go, you know, sit up on stage with someone who who is actively testing positive for COVID because like, oh, there's some guideline that says, well, 10 days, probably okay. I mean, what? I mean, it's really, really nuts. Really and not nuts. to mention that there would be a group of voters in the in the debate hall, right. you know, asking questions. That's the whole point of this town hall debate. And so you're exposing them as well. It, it's, 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 it is uh, crazy. And, and let's be honest. As of today, they have not allowed him to speak live on camera. And as we said at the top of the episode, that is almost certainly because he's having some difficulty breathing. And again, some difficulty breathing doesn't mean he's dying, but he's having some difficulty breathing or there are other things that they don't want you to see. So is that going to be totally cleared up in a week? You know, I know from just going on TV or speaking in public and stuff like that, you, you know, when you have to speak on command or speak at length, you, you've got to some, you, you got to modulate your breath. You can be perfectly healthy and kind of get tripped up, and you know, you need to take a breath or something like that. So, it seems, uh, frankly, absurd to me that he would be, even if he is, you know, totally on the men and totally going to be fine and all that kind of stuff. It seems absurd to me that he would be able to get through a debate without having, you know, some some mild respiratory distress or difficulty modulating his breath or something like that. And then I'm gonna talk about like, you know, something politically deadly if you have like <laughs> you know, sort of like you know, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. I, I can't yeah. imagine that's gonna happen. I know yesterday there was some indication that we might hear from Trump. He might give an, he wanted to give a national address. It's hard to know whether that was kind of leaks from White House officials trying to indicate he's strong, he's healthy, he's ready to go. And then Kayleigh McEnany, the White House press secretary, kind of poured cold water on that and said, I don't think it's going to happen today. And I think, Josh, the point you're making is right. It's because he is still sick and that if he were feeling good, if he were kind of up and at it in a in a kind of a recovered way, then maybe he could do that. But the fact that we haven't seen him, haven't heard from him live, uh, I guess, yeah, since last week. I mean, I guess we, we saw the, the balcony moment and even then he looked, he looked out of breath. He looked uh, like he was wincing and pain yep. a little bit. So well, I think that that is the key with speaking. 
when you speak, you cannot, you cannot hide your breathing patterns. That's just basic human physiology. Um, so like when he was up on that balcony, you know, do you really know what he was doing? We don't really know. He looked like he was having some problems. Yeah. Yeah, But you can, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of looking at body language and stuff, but if you're talking, you can tell, you can absolutely tell. And we know that Trump likes those, you know, heading to the helicopter, uh, ask questions on his own terms, kind of quick flyby mini press conferences. He loves those. And that's his, that has been through most of his presidency, his primary way of talking to the public. He can do that whenever he wants. He could show up in the press briefing room. He could, uh, you know, kind of just walk out during one of, well, I guess, uh, McLean, he's not doing them anymore because she has COVID, but whoever's doing whatever press availabilities there are, he <laughs> can just show up. Whatever intern is running the White Yeah, exactly, House exactly, <laughs> exactly. He could do that. And again, he's not because he's sick. That's obvious. And again, that is not me saying that he's on death's door. It's just he has COVID. So he's going to have some respiratory issues. If you had a, if you had a flu, you would you know, you'd you'd be having some issues. Um, And just, I think from all of our experience with any kind of respiratory distress, you probably only get a little bout of it every few hours, but the White House definitely doesn't want it to be that few hours when he's on camera. You know, they don't want it to be like he's having a moment and like a doctor has to come up and put a, you know, put a little thing over his face. It's too unpredictable. It's too unpredictable. I mean, also, sorry, go ahead, Kate. I was going to say, and that's the, you know, when we're looking at this from, like, the kind of political calculus angle, that's, you know, not to to move too far from what we're talking about, but that's what's weird to me about the VP debate tonight, because if you kind of look at where we are in the race, it doesn't seem to me like Harris has to do this, you know? The polling has just gotten better and better and better for uh, the Biden-Harris team, and it's not like a VP debate is really, you know, historically has changed uh, the calculus that much to begin with. Um, but if you think about the presidential debate, Trump is the one who has got to do something drastic. You know, I'm kind of of the mindset now that we're 20 days out. I don't know, you know, I don't want to curse anything, but I don't know what he can do to change the the fundamental facts that are kind of running this election of, you know, COVID and economic devastation. But he's the one who the onus is on to come out and show people that he's not dying, essentially. You know, Biden doesn't have to do that. As we saw in the last debate, Biden just kind of had to hang in there and not be an asshole. And then he was the winner. So I just think that the debate right now, that's got to be that's, you know, I think the only reason that the kind of Biden-Harris campaign, the only reason they must not be being like, no, we're not playing ball with people who are actively infected right now, must be just because they don't want to, I don't know, look scared or something like that. Because otherwise, I just don't understand what's the motivation for not using an excuse I think most people would be okay with, which is we don't want our candidate getting sick. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think this is why it's a little unclear to me that that you know, and we have seen them already try to do it. The Trump campaign basically say, oh, you know, can't even can't even show up without plexiglass and, you know, kind of taunt them and be jerks and everything. But I really think that, as you say, Kate, I think overwhelmingly people would say if if they canceled, so 
yeah, I'd cancel. Like, of course. Like, who? Why would you stand in a room with someone who might have COVID? It's completely, you know, completely uh, ridiculous. So I think they could, and I don't. Um, uh, I don't. I don't. I don't get it exactly. Uh, you know, I, I guess they think that. I think they must assume that the things that Pence's doctor has described makes it pretty unlikely that he's sick. Um, and that seems plausible to me. And, uh, you know, kind of, I guess at some level, why rock the boat, right? Why, why change the story to uh, Trump losing, Trump's jerk, Right. Trump may be about to die, you know, I mean, it's sort mm -hmm. of like, it's such a devastating series of, of stories that why give them anything to grab onto. But even with that, I, I kind of, um, you know, it was so terrifying to think that Biden might have been infected by Trump. That's such a catastrophic situation, potentially. And let's not forget that Biden is a significant notch older than Trump. He's 77 years old. I think he's close to 78. Um, and I don't know exactly, you know, kind of what it all his underlying stuff is, but that's not great. You get close to 80 and you get COVID, it's bad. It's really bad. Um, and that was, that was so terrifying, you know, just, just unimaginable. And we're not totally out of the woods on that one yet. Uh, uh, Harris is obviously much younger, would probably, you know, manage much better. Probably, probably. Um, you know, I can tell you from, from personal research, people in their early fifties sometimes do very badly with, with, with COVID. I know this for, you know, uh, <laughs> for self-preservation reasons. Uh, but are they going to be together? Do they have to quarantine from each other? Like, why? Why do this? They I must. Don't, I, I, was, I was just thinking along those same lines. There's no way that she does this debate and they have her anywhere near Biden for the next week. There's just no chance they'd take that risk. And the risk they are seemingly willing to take right now is that she'll be okay. And that it's, I would guess the calculus is they think she's going to be a lot better than Pence. So they think the political payout would be worth the probably minimal risk for a younger, healthy person. I think I think that's probably right, and I know I certainly spoke to some people, just observer types, you know, but but smart political people, saying that uh, you know since Biden's not that great a debater, you want you want a forum where Harris is going to make some of the bigger arguments and some of the harder hits, um, and and okay, you know, I can I can. That makes a certain amount of sense to me. Uh, but man, even before all this happened, I was I was worried that the Biden campaign was getting goaded by the Trump campaign by all this like, oh, in the basement, uh, not comp not complain, you know, campaigning and stuff. And he was even getting some of that from like the sort of the Bernieite left, right? Oh, you know, we gave you the nomination and now you're kind of sitting in your basement and all this kind of stuff and that they were getting goaded into, you know, doing more campaigning. And I mean, we need Joe Biden to stay healthy. We, we absolutely need him to stay healthy. It's, it's, it's just, uh, it's critical and I yeah. would take fewer chances. And just at this point in the race, again, there are 20 days left. You know, so you just, and I'm sure the campaign is, but you, you have to make the calculation of like, is a flurry of in-person events, whether that be debates or speeches, you know, 
at this point in the race, is that worth the risk that Biden gets COVID? I mean, I don't see, barring something just extraordinary, that seems to me like the biggest thing that could still happen that would turn a race that has been pretty locked in for months now and add, you know, infuse it with chaos, maybe make things less certain. That seems to me the biggest thing that could still happen. So, you know, unless we find out some like crazy thing Trump has been doing, which is not, you know, beyond the realm of possibility. But so I would just think that that would be priority number one, you know, keep him in a keep him in a bubble, keep him safe. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, I think that's all the time we have today. Nice to talk to you both. And um, we'll be back later tonight with a special post VP debate podcast. So keep an eye on your feeds for that. And um, more next week as well. Well, remember that before we go, remember uh, the Josh Marshall podcast is brought to you by Grady's Cold Brew Ice Coffee. Uh, special deal now, 25% off until Election Day for all Josh Marshall podcast listeners. Just have to use the promo code TPM. All right. Talk cool. to you later. Talk to you tonight. Later, Bye. folks. Bye.